And you see that? You see that red thing? Yeah. That means we're recording. Okay. Awesome. Don't, don't say anything stupid. Oh, crap. I was about to curse. Where Actually, where I are you going? Curse. I just have to bleep it. I, I, I want to be able to see us. I want to be able to see our beautiful faces. Oh. Uh, it's like, are we done already? Yeah. All right. That's that it. was easy. Thanks, I could do this for every day. And marginally educated. <laughs> I could do this every day. That's a great interview. All right. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Marginally Educated. And uh, today we have a little bit of a special, special occasion. Uh, we're doing an interview, and I'm joined here today by Dean Parsons. He's the uh, CFO and principal owner of GDI, Global Diversified Investments. Chief Investment Officer. Chief Investment Officer. But I guess I could be CFO. But you're basically... I'm the only one. So you're, I, yes, yeah. Well, just then there's all me. Then there's me on the side. But well, I, I, do I even count at this point? Well, Chief Investment you, Officer. <laughs> yeah. This is great. This is totally going to be the take, by the way. Awesome. We're not redoing this. This awesome. is first take and we're sticking with it. Yeah. All right. Well, today we have uh, a couple of topics to discuss. Um, you and I naturally have conversations with uh, some of our other business partners, um, as well as clients and, and just people that we know. And we've noticed that there's been some commonalities in the questions that we get asked about what's going on in global markets right now. Um, you know, should I invest? What's going on with cryptocurrency? I'm hearing about inflation, you know, stimulus, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. Um, and, you know, some of the, the most common questions of, of all of those is concerns about, you know, coming inflation, particularly in the near term, um, what sort of impact that's going to have on interest rates uh, for everybody from people looking to potentially, you know, purchase a property you know, getting a mortgage, uh, as well as, you know, kind of more larger economic concerns about, well, what is that impact going to be on, right. you know, uh, economics? And then, uh, you know, what are some of our observations and, and points of interest, if you will, not necessarily concern, but points of interest moving right. into 2022, well, as well as the rest of this year? Okay, cool. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, first, uh, the, the basic uh, agenda that I would have today is to sort of identify the sort of broader case for not worrying, right? Mm. You'll, you'll find that there's a lot, you know, the talking heads on TV, everybody suggests that, oh my Dude. gosh, you know, inflation's going to happen and nobody's going to spend money anymore. And, you know, after COVID, we don't know what's happening. We have a resurgence, you know, mm -hmm. and people get really worried. Mm -hmm. And both fear and greed never work out in this game, yeah. ever. So my objective today will be to sort of identify where these risks really come from and how in history we've generally been able to overcome them with solid strategy. Mm -hmm. So first, related to sort of valuations and um, the sort of inflationary condition in the equity markets. That's yeah. been the biggest thing. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. like, oh, we're in a bubble. Yeah, valuations are right? through the roof. This and they are. Relatively speaking, from a recent history, especially since COVID sell-off, we are relatively high. So um, I put together some, some statistics uh, regarding sort of PE ratios, mm -hmm. so price-to-earnings ratios. I don't know if your uh, listeners, viewers kind of want to... If they listen to prior through. instances of the podcast, they would be familiar, but just for a uh, super basic concept, uh, price-to-earnings is basically the most fundamental and the most obvious valuation metric to determine how uh, expensive a company is and it's simply the price of the company relative to their earnings per share in other words how much money are you paying to participate in the profitability of that company right yeah so so when you go to buy an equity you're gonna look at the PE ratio to determine its relative value at mm -hmm. that moment compared to what that company will likely earn right yeah so if, it, if you're at really high ratios it's 
it can be determined as it's relatively expensive. Mm -hmm. And therefore, is it going to be uh, experiencing that kind of growth in the next year or two to, to compensate for that? Mm -hmm. So PE ratios vary across industries and different things, technology yeah, yeah. specifically and, and biotech, those, those generally have higher PE ratios. But from a fundamental perspective, we're talking about really high bubble levels of PE mm -hmm. ratios. And for example, we're about 40 PE on the S&P 500 index. And that's kind of a good reference for broader market PE ratios, mm -hmm. right? And that's the average for all of the All 500, yeah, yeah within that composition of the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. So, and those are a lot of, you know, globally exposed, you know, upwards of 40% of those companies are globally exposed. There's a lot of different companies within it. It's uh, broadly diversified in terms of its... Uh, uh, com constituency. So it's a good reference for the broader markets PE ratios. Mm -hmm. So we're about 40 now, which which is pretty high, <laughs> which is relatively high from recent times. If we look at the average over the last, uh, what did I do last 100 years? I don't even know what I did. Um, it's about 16. Yeah, over the last hundred years. That, I that, remember from business school saying like yeah. 15 is a good yeah, ballpark so, average. So between 15 and 16, and you know from being in my classes and our discussions, 25 is kind of my comfort zone. Anything yeah. above that really has to be justified. Mm -hmm. So on the S&P, we're about 40. So we're well above historical averages. Mm -hmm. But if we look at uh, back in December 2001 before the dot-com boom, we yep. were close to 50 on the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. And then right before the Great Recession, we were at 122. <laughs> So if we're everything's fine, right? <laughs> so if we're looking at a relative bubble, we're you know we're on the high side of PEs, but we are not in these higher bubble territories as looked at as previous bubbles or mm -hmm. these you know big sell-offs that are coming. Now, having said that, prudency is necessary when you're buying equities specifically, right? Yeah. You don't want to overexpose the portfolio to really high-valued uh, PEs mm -hmm. if the justification for those PEs really won't come. Yeah, so, especially in a higher interest rate environment. Right. right. Those companies are probably relying on liquid capital and right. access to, to capital in order to keep Correct. pushing their business forward. Right, and highly leveraged companies are, of course, more affected by debt as mm -hmm. well as their growth is impacted by interest rates and other things. So if their growth is commensurate or better than the cost of the rate or mm -hmm. the loan. Weighted then, average cost of capital, right. whack from business school. Right. So, <laughs> so that justifies it, yeah. right? But you have to be a lot more specific about what you're buying. Mm -hmm. You know, back, you know, three, four months ago, you could pretty much buy anything. Yeah. Right. It was relatively, eh, well, you're going to pretty much do okay. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to take a lot more diligence and looking. If you're going to expose the portfolio to equity specifically, mm -hmm. it's going to take a lot more diligence. But having said that, we are not in... I guess, historical bubbleness related to the S&P. Sure. Now, you may have individual equities. Technology's taken off a lot, but we've yeah. had some sell-offs in that. Mm -hmm. um, you have to look very diligently at those exposures. So, so uh, just to kind of follow up on that, like what, what has been, to your observation, like kind of the narrative behind the recovery? So obviously, we're shooting this almost a year to date after right. everything went to hell. Right. Um, hell's okay, we can yeah. say that on here. Um, and... You know, we're we're now at a point where not only has basically every sector, even the ones that lagged, recovered, but we're actually in well in excess of valuations back in right. you know you know 2019, 2020 territory. Correct. Um, so with that recovery, you know, have you felt that that has been largely justified from economic terms? Like, do you think those companies are you know uh, 
valid in their current valuation given right. you're saying that you know okay well right. we're in an overvalued territory but we're not in bubble territory like right. what has been your analysis of that recovery so, thus far yeah that's a really good question so the the point of the matter is is will the growth from spending or the a, the consumer related benefits associated with the coming out of covid mm-hmm. shutdowns and everything else in the pent up demand of consumers, which makes up almost 70% of GDP growth. So as long as, no matter where interest rates are or inflation is, as long as growth is better, investors and market participants are being compensated, right? So that's kind of the point is how much of that is already priced in. Yeah. And and then to to that end, at 40 PE of the S&P, it would suggest that a lot of it may be already priced in Mm -hmm. because we're looking a year ahead. Yeah. That pent up demand, yeah, it'll happen and those consumers will spend and we'll get, you know, upwards of 70% of the economy, you know, benefiting from that growth. Mm-hmm. But what happens the next year and the year after that? As investors, we don't just invest for next year, mm-hmm. right? We, we like to buy it really cheap and then have it go up in a year, but it's more about prudence and in, in managing to mm-hmm. that. So that mm-hmm. becomes, again, that question, like if it is already priced in, you even have to be more diligent and I guess focused on adding specific exposures to get the value out of it. Mm-hmm. Something something that I want to double down that you mentioned, and, and particularly at the outset, you, you said that you wanted to push back on kind of the doom and gloom narrative that right. is so popular with your, your talking heads on you know Fox News or right. CNBC and that sort of stuff. Because I think something that you and I both agree on and the majority of analysts, you know, I was just on you know Morgan Stanley Research and looking at their articles and their talks, and it's uh, predominantly there is a, a, a bullish sentiment behind global economics moving forward right uh, particularly in a slightly longer time horizon that's like the the one to five year time horizon basically everyone is in agreement of look we're, we're on a good track towards global gdp growth coming out of this you know, right. black swan event um but there is a particular point of uncertainty which is actually the near term so you know in conventional analysis it would kind of be the reverse right you would be more certain about your near term and you would be less certain about your future and what we're kind of seeing is almost like a reversal of that which is like okay well i feel pretty good about two three five years from now in terms of things are going to be going smoothly and we're going to be back to quote unquote normal whatever the heck that ends up becoming um but how you know q234 of 2021 are going to play out or you know next year is a bit more uncertain and and one spot that we see that is kind of within the interest rates right correct yeah so between inflation and interest rates and there's been a lot of talk and uh, treasuries as the indicator treasuries yeah as the indicator of interest rates because uh we'll talk a little bit later about uh the negative yielding debt in the world and those kind of things and what that Mm. really means from an interest rate and risk pricing perspective but generally if we're going to look at the 10-year treasury it is a solid indicator of where, you know, I guess that risk-free or, you know, as, as riskless as you can get, mm-hmm. earning is on an annual basis for, you know, placing 10-year money. Mm-hmm. Now, if growth compensates or inflation eats away at that, then it becomes more of a problem for, mm-hmm. you know, I guess extracting value from the investment portfolio, whether it be equities, fixed income, real estate, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. because the inflation is eating away at, at the dollar. And interest rates are high, so there's a lot more going to either debt burden or being compensated or whatever it might be. So obvious question: Why are people concerned about inflation? Well, <laughs> basically, your money goes a lot less far than it otherwise well, would. Well, right? yeah, no, but so, like, what what's happened that causes people to think that inflation is going to go up? What the, like, 
you know, oh, stimulus. Well, and... Yeah, we, you know, just, just in recent, you know, since COVID, we're added about $5 trillion of stimulus. <laughs> $5 trillion, which I have a statistic here that we're are at now. Is that domestic? Uh, yeah. Because global, I was like oh, 15 no. No, in the yeah. first round back in like, you know. So, so five, just $5 trillion recently, which gets us to a debt of about 120% of GDP, which our nation, that's not really something that's happened before. I mean, I have a, have a chart here. Of, of, so total of, U.S. debt, of what sovereign that? debt, is 120% of what yeah. the total GDP produced by... It's here, and you, you'll be able to America. post it on your... Yeah, right? yeah. But It'll pop up. Basically, the, the debt outstanding is extraordinary, right? So, so where does that come from? It's this modern monetary theory thing. After, mm -hmm. after the gold standard was lifted in the 70s, yeah, good old the, Nixon. Yeah, the printing press started, right? And the value of our dollar wasn't based on gold in taxing authority. It was now just based on taxing authority. Yeah. Now, that's the positive. Full of, faith and credit of the United States. The United States. Right? So, but as more currency or um, money gets placed into the system, it is not just the money that's outstanding. It's the velocity of that money. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. as both of those things are moving along quite well, you know, you're everything's growing because people are taking those funds and the velocity is moving back and forth and yeah. people are yeah. earning and pretty soon yeah, the growth comes from effect. Right. But if you have it and it's just a lot of dollars out there and you have high interest rates that aren't pulling any more sort of benefit for investors or investors are putting money elsewhere, mm -hmm. it could cause an inflationary condition because there's a lot more dollars outstanding. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the point now is that. The inflationary pressures are not just coming from, I guess, the growth, mm -hmm. but they're also coming from as much stimulus as there's been. So the, the basic idea of uh, uh, modern monetary theory is that the fiscal sort of world will sort of print and create, mm -hmm. and the monetary system will sort of manage. Yeah. Right? So as long as those two work okay, mm -hmm. everything's fine. relatively right? balanced. Yeah. But if that inflationary condition picks up quite heavily and the relative impact on interest rates is high, that debt would be such an extraordinary burden that our taxing authority would probably not be able to compensate for, mm -hmm. right? It just mm -hmm. wouldn't make sense logically and financially. So that's the risk that's happening now is we have this just $5 trillion recently with stimulus and everything else. Is the growth going to compensate for that to, to, to be able to, I guess, provide value in a inflationary condition that makes it worthwhile to participate and basically if you have an inflation of two or three percent in the short term which is what they're talking about yeah the fed's target rate i'm you're sure your listeners know is about two percent right yeah, yeah. Give or take. and it's varied between like 1.75 to 2.25 yeah. depending on and they're comfortable with that so yeah. they, they they started to taper um it was it 2016 mm -hmm. i think it was and, you know, they, the market had this taper tantrum was like, we're not done with low interest rates. You and, know. and tapering being the economic concept of, of the Fed contracting the money supply, exactly. increasing rates to basically kind of force the economy to handle itself at that point. Correct. We're not going to give you so much free money. So right now we're not in a period of tapering. We're actually no. in the complete opposite of that. We're in expansionary uh, fiscal and monetary policy. But one of the things we'll talk about later, just a little bit of foreshadowing, is the the prospect of the concept of tapering coming into play potentially as soon as next year. Right, and that's the issue now is the inflation um, idea has become much more uh, in the uh, realm of what we're talking about now because the Fed has come out and said we're going to allow the economy to run hotter, mm -hmm. which is going to push inflation higher, mm -hmm. allow jobs to be stronger, 4% or less unemployment for a longer period of time. Before they would, you know, inflation would get to 2.0. 
two five, and they'd be like, "Okay, we're going to start. We're, yeah. we're going to start locking this down." But that didn't work last time. So, so basically, Everyone had it. Yeah, like they you said a tantrum. Right. <laughs> so then the market had to readjust, and it impacted growth and impacted investment. It was a very negative thing for 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 trying to target that inflation number. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now they're going to, in the short run, with this five trillion and everything else, they're going to let it run a little bit hotter. Mm-hmm. So. How long will that be? This is the question that we're going to probably have to uncover in another uh, podcast or yeah. whatever we do, right? To be able to talk about what we're going to have to deal now with potentially 3% inflation. Mm-hmm. So if we have 3% inflation, generally, your investment in dollars is getting eaten away at 3% mm-hmm. a year. Right? So you have to earn five or more to even make it worthwhile to put money to work, yeah. right? And if you keep money in cash, this is the other thing we've talked about. Oh yeah, like, lots of people are asking questions. Right, holding holding money in U.S. dollar in cash mm-hmm. is not a riskless strategy. Yeah, you are eating away at that by through the inflationary condition, right? So yeah, the number may not change, but its value does change by. So mm-hmm. how long will that go? Will it go to three? Will it go to three and a half before the Fed actually says, okay, it's not going to be 2023, which is what they're saying. We're not gonna mm. we're not gonna impact rates until 2023. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna we're not gonna cool this off until then. Well, if we get to four, is that right? And is that possible? Yeah. With have, all... have they stated a GDP number that's that they're targeting or tolerating in conjunction with the like? Okay, we're gonna let interest rates run hot, but that's if we match it with this level of GDP growth. They haven't really said what their growth target is. They're again, they're they're dual mandate. It's jobs and inflation. inflation. Yeah. Right. So as long as growth is compensating and making those things, I guess, within reason mm-hmm. in the longer term, they're not going to do anything. So we're, we're expecting about 4% growth, right? Give mm-hmm. or take. Yeah. Right? Domestically. And then upwards of potentially 8% on a global scale. Yeah, exactly. Which is great if you are well placed in the investment portfolio. And that's mm-hmm. where sort of this expertise comes. And you're, you're not just following like fear and greed, right? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. we're actually going to put together a sound plan to be able to extract value from these movements, mm-hmm. right? And there may be pain. There will be pain of a 3.5% inflation rate. Totally. How long will that go before the Fed does something or before the inflation gets too hot where they have to do something extreme like they did in the 80s? Like mm-hmm. nobody thinks about this now because we've had rates for so long. Probably your whole lifetime has been oh, yeah, relatively no, low I've, rates. I, when I, when my, uh, the dean of my school, I was in one of her classes and she told me about how her first mortgage was like at 17% yeah. or something like that. Yeah, in the 80s. And everybody was just like... What? Yeah. Like what? There was twenty percent mortgages on the books in the eighties. <laughs> That's 80s. insane. That's insane. Right now, and that was an, a period of extraordinary growth and wealth creation and yeah. all of that. Because what happened in the seventies? They off the gold standard. Oh yeah, 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 right? yeah. So Nixon was like, all right, reducing the right. ratio is stupid. Let's just axe the whole right. thing. Right. So now we're we're getting sort of another one of those conditions with a Fed that is more, um, I guess, aware mm-hmm. of keeping it from getting to that point. Mm-hmm. but they're still saying that we're going to let it run hot. I don't know. I wish I knew, right? But they, yeah. that's what they say. Well, how hot is too hot? Well, we'll keep you posted. Okay. Well, if if we're expecting 3.5-4% inflation on the worst case, mm-hmm. what kind of investments can we make to compensate sure. for that? Right? That's the idea. So now we're getting into kind of the asset allocation side. Right, so exactly. One, one, one last thing that I would kind of put as like a, a good, you know, if – 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but like put it in your back pocket summary of what we just discussed is like the, the Fed. So the Fed operates, it's the central bank of the United States, right? Mm. And they have the dual mandate, which you've already mentioned, which correct. is that their two primary concerns uh, above and beyond everything else or what the presidency says or what, you know, Fox says or whatever yeah. that is they're concerned about job employment rates right. and inflation. Correct. And as long as those two things are where they want to say they are, they could honestly care less what everybody else says. Right. Um, and then in conjunction with that, so they're going to be evaluating uh, our economic growth moving forward and letting the economy, quote unquote, run hot and let inflations rise. And what they're evaluating is we're going to keep letting the money supply increase as long as we see on the other side of that economic equation commensurate growth in GDP. Right. And as long as whatever that number is, we don't know exactly. Right. But as long as that proportion stays where they like it to, then they're going to keep letting it go. If one of those things comes out of balance, then they're going to change their policies. And that's one of the things now that we have is a, a Fed that communicates. And this sort of process mm -hmm. has been sort of ingrained. Like yeah. We know that that's what they're going to do. Now, whether, you know, there's all kinds of debates about all central banks and this, you know, we're not even getting into that, right? Because we're trying to... Fractional reserve banking is a right. sin. We're just trying to... to to prepare investors as much as we can mm -hmm. for the likelihood of any drastic moves, for one, and for two, place funds in a way that we can use them and return on them when we need them, mm -hmm. right? We're not like, oh, what's going to happen this year? Oh my gosh, we got to you know put all our money in cash. Well, no, because for history, history would say, you know, yes, we are, you know, higher valuations in equities. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, we'll talk a little bit later about negative yielding debt. And, you know, that's created some, you know, pain and issues related to fixed income portfolio management. It's also psychotic. Right. But we still have to plan through all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's that's our objective. And I think, again, this will be on other, you know shows or podcasts or whatever mm -hmm. we do to be able to to bring that to a uh where are we at time wise uh, 21 minutes 21 okay yeah these things usually end up going like 45 so oh. it's fine that's what you on the chopping block yeah, yeah no you we might end up we might end up now after we do this like kind of full length version maybe yeah. we'll do an abridged like 15 minute you know crash oh. course oh my gosh I don't know if I could do it. You've <laughs> sat through you my you sat through my classes. I just, Multiple just, times. Just ramble on. Just yeah, keep yeah, asking yeah. questions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, Sorry. you're good. You're just good. splice it together to be like, hey, how you doing? Yes. Interest rates fed. Okay. <laughs> Definition. Next. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, well, All right, cool. What's so, next? so we covered uh, we covered PE. We covered valuations. Um, and so, kind of our. our, our tentative narrative behind that is look yes we are in a in an environment where valuations are high uh, and that just but we're not at a point where we're becoming exceptionally concerned with uh the concept of a bubble correct necessarily it just simply means that we need to be uh, considerably more prudent in determining what is an actual value valuable and valid investment well and i want your listeners viewers to, to understand also that there's been a lot of talk about treasuries Right. Treasuries mm -hmm. are, yeah. you know, one and three quarters. Oh my gosh. Treasury, 10 year treasury has gone up crazy. You know, yeah. we have had a steepening in the curve, yeah. which well, let's go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. yeah. That's, so, that's so a steepening of the curve generally, generally implies uh, economic growth and mm -hmm. sort of a positive move. As long as there's not extreme movements in interest rates and volatility, mm -hmm. usually rising interest rates tend to be a positive thing. Mm -hmm. As long as there's not a whole lot of inflation and other stuff. I'll and you will it. see on, on basically regardless of what's going on, you will see the treasury yield increase commensurately. Correct. With inflation, because right, there right. needs there needs to be some sort of spread to be extracted. From yeah, holding. because we have to have an incentive to put money to work, yeah. right? I mean, and if it all being eaten away, we're going to place it 
elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yes, and in the as as the economy grows and as there is sort of, um, I guess, ex- exceeding growth in other categories. Like recently, we've it's been a lot of technology. That's where, I love tech. That's where tech and biotech. And he knows right, and it's not bad necessarily, but we're getting a lot of we're getting better growth in other segments. So. Which makes me kind you, of sad, right? You, but you no, it's a good thing. You don't need just technology to make money, yeah, right? So, yeah. so that's the other thing. But as we look at the ten-year Treasury, for instance, it's like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world because we're getting close to two percent. Yeah, well, yeah. So that, it's on. It's been on the rise, going up to two percent. Right. But you know, we were at what sixty basis points uh, at, at the COVID time, because yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and it, leading for, into that for your Which listeners, is, the the. <laughs> You know, the higher demand for treasuries pushes the price up, which is negatively inverse, right, to yields, right? So as the price goes up, yields go down and vice yes. versa, right? So what happens in a, in a uh, category where there's a lot of demand for treasuries? Well, it's usually when there's a market condition like we had, a big sell-off, and everybody's mm-hmm. just trying to park money. because so there's a lot of concern. They're fearful. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So that pushes yields really low, yeah. which is great for borrowers. I don't know. I, they probably seen the commercials like get a oh, yeah. you know thirty year mortgage for two percent. Like, oh yeah. I mean, I refinanced again just because why not, right? Save a hundred. Yeah, my parents did it probably I think twice. You know, it's, it's, yeah, you got everything to. Everything just keeps right? going down. Right. But basically, it's the the thirty year mortgage is tied to the ten year. It's about the ten year plus one hundred fifty basis, basis points, points, give or yeah. take. Right. Yeah. So as that goes up, that's the fear is like, oh my gosh, well rates are going up. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, that's kind of normal. I mean, even if we look at the historical average of the ten year. The historical average of the tenure is about four percent. So, which is it hasn't been. That's for, actually right, and it hasn't been for you know as long as you've been in right, paying attention in the markets, at all. right? Yeah. So, so this is something. The idea of a four percent treasury is actually like foreign to me because I'm so young. Right, and well, and that's the thing is that you know it going against the norm of recent norm. Yes, mm-hmm. it could be like oh my gosh, what's happening? But we have to look at it in context, mm-hmm. and as we have a more normal. Four percent treasury. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily bad. It creates opportunity for other asset classes and different things to, to participate. It's not cumbersome, right? Because you know mortgage rates are back down to back to more normal levels. Um, you know we've already had a significant impact, and you can talk about this another time. But affordability of housing is, you know, at level. It's just you can't buy anything, right? Like they, so we're 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 in Southern California, right? Yeah. And uh, the, the typical story behind someone selling their house right now is it probably goes off the market within two weeks. And if it was at all remotely priced reasonably, they got about probably 20 offers yeah. on that property easily. Three days um, I've seen houses. Go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, for premium, the closing will be higher than asking by right. like a noticeable amount. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a 500, I know, I know a property that went for sale. I think it was on the market for like 520. I think it settled for like, 565 580 within yeah. within like a week of being on the market it's insane so in the, again this is the thing that drives oh we're in bubble territory well yes but mm-hmm. right there's the, would you say we're more similar in terms of the uns- so there's obviously a lot of uncertainty we're not saying that we're in the bubble yet uh, but there's a lot of uncertainty would you say that our condition right now is uh, more similar to the dot-com boom or to the 08? And yeah. I, I, I have my personal assessment. Yeah, I, I would say more dot-com dot simply com because sure. there, there were significant structural things that occurred in the Great Recession that mm-hmm. were that smart people weren't paying attention. 
mm-hmm. right? And I, like I, I told you, I, I would write commentaries and like, they were like, oh, don't say that because, you know, we're expecting mortgages to, you know, we don't want to mess with it. Yeah. Well, but logically speaking, this is, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but the mm-hmm. writing's on the wall. Like, yeah. there's no way that that, that that this is going to continue. It just doesn't have the capacity to. So right well, watch now... Watch The Big Short if yeah. you haven't seen it. Fantastic. Yeah. So, and, and that is a, a really great representation of, of what had occurred. But the idea is, is that now, yes, valuations are high. You have to be more prudent, but there shouldn't be that level of fear because of, you know, either it be the pent-up demand of spending, which, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, stimulus has caused you know and there was risks you know we'll talk about that a little bit at the end but you know generally speaking we we have the capacity to continue to move forward and the fed is going to allow that what is the pain term uh that we're going to have to tolerate in the uncertainty uh volatility in the market those kind of things mm-hmm. to to understand that we're okay Right, and that's the idea. Are we okay? You know, I, I think we will. If you place funds properly, you will be okay. History tells us, you know, fear never, never wins. Yeah. Right, and greed never wins either. Mm-hmm. Right, no matter what Gordon Gecko says on uh, Wall Street. So, uh, it. But prudence always does. If you just look at historical, uh, especially here in America, they spend. Americans spend, yep. and they like to invest in new cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? And as you guys are coming up investing and doing cool new stuff, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. As investors, we need to participate in that. But when do we not do it? We don't do it when it's really expensive because it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. If there's risk to a downside, why wouldn't we just be more prudent about it? Diversification, so, allocation, all that stuff. So without getting into the specifics of advice, which obviously you can't no, do can't over do. the course of a Spotify or a YouTube video, <laughs> no. um, what are some kind of... You know, we, so I think we've got like kind of the narrative behind what's going on pretty, pretty dialed at this point. Um, but what are some of the functional things that people should pay attention to? Uh, what are kind of like the guiding principles of how you should go about, you know, because so if someone has a, a million dollar portfolio right now and they're mm-hmm. invested, what are some of the things they should be evaluating or considering with their portfolio structure okay. uh, to make changes in light of what we've discussed? So good question. So without specifically, I guess, providing a portfolio design yeah or buy xyz right the the fundamentals are diversification always ends up working from a volatility perspective mm-hmm. right as long as it's commensurate with the risk uh, tolerance of the individual right or company or whatever it might be mm-hmm. it will end up working out over time mm-hmm. the issue will be understanding that that million could turn into 750,000 in a huge sell off Mm-hmm. And not mm-hmm. being like, oh my gosh, I made a bad decision yeah. on the right. Because that's no. a huge emotional burden. Because oftentimes we're talking about, you know, this is everyone's life savings mm-hmm. after right. a forty-year career and you know all that sort of stuff. But so so in that, if you just implement sort of the fundamentals of prudence and diversification and those things, more often than not, you will be better off. Mm-hmm. Now you still may make one or two bad choices. Yeah. I've done it before. I've picked you know certain assets, certain things that are like well. That, that everything was pointing to a better idea or mm-hmm. a better performance or a better sort of volatility uh, measure than I expected. But that's what I would suggest is, you know, it, it, do you need the money six months from now? Or do you need the money? Yeah, time year horizon year? is so critical. Right. So just keep it. No, understand that, yes, this volatility could happen. Yes, we're going to have an inflationary condition. Yes, we're going to have interest rates high. Yes, we have a debt level and sort of burden in this country larger than we've ever seen from a percentage of GDP. 
what will that do in the short term and can we handle that downside? Mm -hmm. If you can't, you shouldn't be investing anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, the, the guide is that sort of focus on those fundamentals and don't get fearful when you're like, oh my gosh, this, there's a big sell-off. Mm -hmm. When COVID sell-off happened, I was buying. Like, mm -hmm. I was up a lot. Oh, yeah, same. Yeah, because logically, we've seen history mm -hmm. that markets appreciate. Isn't that the old Buffett, Buffett quote? Like, the, uh, what is it? Be Fearful when everybody's greedy, greedy and be greedy, greedy when everybody's fearful. fearful. Yeah. Now, and I don't like. Now that is I, what's funny is he says you can't time the market really, but then no. that that whole statement, the premise right. of that is that you're timing the market. The the idea <laughs> is is you know I don't like using that quote sometimes because if we focus on fear and greed, which I told you guys I don't mm -hmm. really believe in anyway, yeah. uh, it's not a positive thing. But the fundamentals of that make sense, mm -hmm. right? If if things, and the resiliency of it. Yeah. You know, to say that you're not going to, you're not going to fall prey to the narrative no. of, and if you don't need the money a year from now, it's fine. You, you can deal with it as long as you know that the strategy is sound. Mm -hmm. And that's why some of this, um, because there will be portfolios that correct. do suffer and don't recover correct. if they are not properly correct. Structured. Yeah. Because it's, it's about building it. And that's part of this idea is it's an education thing, this, mm -hmm. but it's also like, if you don't know, you should either learn or hire or get with somebody to mm -hmm. discuss some of these fundamentals to be able to uh, place those funds in a way that you can be more confident that history will uh, benefit you, mm -hmm. right? That the short-term suffering is worth placing funds properly. You won't question yourself, You all of those things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the fear, it, you know, that's the idea. Is it the market will always... Um, will be, what is the other Buffett quote? It will be uh, more volatile uh, than... Yeah, the market can re uh, remain volatile longer, longer than you can remain solvent, solvent. or yeah, something yeah. like that's that. That's it. And that's kind of the point. Yeah. So don't, I guess, don't eliminate your solvency yeah. through making these choices. And that's then, also a dig at uh, short selling. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> Again, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a short seller. I'm, I'm, I'm an asset allocator. And, and you're an eternal I'm a, optimist. So. I'm eternal optimist. I, I, you know, buy bonds. I have a bond structure that I implement. It's, it's very sound and fundamental. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that there aren't negatives that occur within it, but I, it's more positive than negative, mm -hmm. which is kind of the idea. Yeah. Create an environment that gives you that. Sure. So, so cool. Well, let's kind of in, in summary, uh, correct me if, if I misquote any of these things, but we have... Not necessarily a bearish, but a uncertain near term. Correct. Uh, you year, know, anywhere between like a couple quarters, yeah, to a year or two. Uh, again, you know, the Fed's uh, estimates typically are pushing like 2022, 2023 in terms of where their certainty is ending, uh, relatively speaking. But even with that uncertainty in the short term, we have on the whole a, a bullish and positive uh, both domestic and global economic outlook moving forward, pushing past where we are right now. Right. Uh, we know that interest rates that that there is sufficient pressure now. I mean, I had a conversation. Sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent in my summary, but like I had a conversation at the uh, middle of last year with a friend of mine who works in private wealth management about whether or not off the first round of stimulus we were going to deal with inflation. And I was more of the sentiment initially that it would, and he was more of the sentiment that it wouldn't, because again, the balance of like increasing the money supply versus relative to GDP growth, he was of the okay. There's enough. There's, a, there's enough growth, there's enough velocity of funds right. to absorb that initial cash flow. But we both agreed that subsequent 
issuances might cause some issues. Right. And now here we are right. in Talking that condition. About that. Um, and so we will see inflation uh, on the rise. And we know that the Fed's going to let that happen. Uh, but that's because they're trying to push global or sorry, domestic GDP growth. Correct. And, and letting it run a little bit hotter will actually facilitate that to a point. Right. Um, but the it, market doesn't like the uncertainty. And that's no. another point. Is yeah. that just because the market sells off doesn't mean that it's actually not, there's no value in those holdings. Yeah, the market totally. hates uncertainty more than anything. Mm -hmm. So if inflation is picking up higher than they expected, the mm -hmm. uncertainty of the move even higher creates an environment where investors, broadly speaking, will sell. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of more than the actual economic impact of that increase inflation. Right. Would just 100 percent. Yeah. It's just like what happened in covid. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, the world is ending. Well, mm -hmm. spending is going to be cut. But, you know, it's not the world isn't going to end. Right? Yeah. We, we've yeah. seen it. And if the world ends, what, why are you worried about your money anyway? Yeah. Right. You're yeah. worried about where you're going to eat. Right. And what totally. food. Right. Where you're going to get water and shelter. So. Yeah. And uh, so. Um, yeah. And so. So with that, you know, we have we have a market that has priced in very positive long-term expectations, right. uh, which is why we're talking about higher PE ratios, more expensive valuations of companies. And that's because the sentiment behind it is that long-term that there's a positive uh, economic outlook. And so it's okay to pay a bit more today to participate in Correct. those future earnings. Right. Um, with that, then uh, the perspective is not to necessarily be so worried about a, an overall market bubble like our 08 crash uh, uh, felt like, but rather that you need to be uh, considerably more prudent in your fundamental analysis Correct. of companies, of individual specific equities. exposures. Yes, um, and then yeah, and so so you have you have the fundamental analysis on the individual equity side of things to say is there sufficient justification for this company's valuation in terms of their growth potential, and then you have on the strategy side you have the uh, is your portfolio sufficiently diversified Correct. across sectors across markets to tolerate the volatility to tolerate volatility and to tolerate the impact that increases in, in inflation can right. have because obviously inflation will impact different sectors uh, to different degrees some will benefit right. and interest some rates will be as agnostic well. and some right, exactly right. as interest, interest rates go you know we see the the higher leveraged you know. Um, technology or you know small cap mid cap sort of area be more negatively impacted mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean there's not value in those holdings it just means you have to be more specific about adding those exposures yeah. right yeah. is it really going to compensate from a growth and return perspective and earnings to make this you know addition to the portfolio awesome. and that happens on the fixed income side too right oh, like totally. i said you know like i said we talked about there's 18 trillion dollars of negative yielding debt. Oh yeah, let's let's cover this before we wrap right. up. You gotta yeah, yeah. you gotta so, mention this since we're talking about interest rates. And so, so negative negative yielding debt is basically uh, if you're going to buy a bond, mm. right? You're going to pay a price for it. Mm. Uh, you know, it's a percentage of par. So, if at par, say at par, you have a, a bond that pays five percent coupon at par, your mm. yield is five percent. So if you pay one hundred one, the yield goes down to four point two and whatever yeah. whatever it might be, right? The relative move. Mm -hmm. So. Prices have been pushed so high across global debt because rates are so relatively low, low for one. And for two, there's so much demand for paper for adding these kind of exposures that... It's hard we, to make money if you can't charge interest. <laughs> so so they're actually paying to add these instruments. Now, the, the thing is, is that some people, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Why would you? Well, you're still getting the coupon. So mm -hmm. say it's a negative yielding 6% bond. You paid one fifteen for it, or one twenty, whatever you paid Which, for it. Which, shockingly enough, we see on a oh, disturbing every day. basis. It's, yeah, it's one hundred and nineteen on on a bond, and it's like that's and, that's not even a, that's not even U.S. Like US I wouldn't treasury. even do it. Yeah, I, there's no. It doesn't even. That was like a triple A from a risk bond. perspective. Yeah, it doesn't make Shocking. sense to add that. So, 
that's another thing that's going to happen as rates go up and as risk pricing comes back to more normal levels, um, not normal levels in your lifetime, but normal levels in what I've seen, you know, when I started my career that, yes, you know, I know that, I'm young. because, yeah, but the, the 18, it doesn't make sense yeah. that you would pay someone for a 6% coupon to so essentially lose a fixed amount of money over time. So if it's a five-year bond, you are paying them say 1% mm-hmm. a year to own that 6% bond. Mm-hmm. When does that not work anymore? Mm-hmm. When does it not bring value to the portfolio anymore? Because when does just, that 6% not worth it? To me, it doesn't make any sense. Well, it, I, I never buy bonds of par or above, right? Yeah, that's yeah. my kind of, that's, that's why I have, But you But know. the certainty element is that, that, so what we're essentially seeing with that is there's so much value with some of this big institutional money to have the certainty, even if it's gonna net lose money. Right. But to have that certainty is worth it. Right, completely. So, but right now, as interest rates go up, investors are going to have to be compensated more for Mm -hmm. adding that, right? Because they're not not only just paying away um, any yield, they're now paying away yield plus the inflationary pressure on whatever currency they're investing in. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. it has to come back to normal at some time. Uh, that's, right? that's a whole spider web right well, there. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing. It's going to have to be know, another. In a doctorate program, that's my. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be my whole thing is like, when will risk pricing become back to normal? Sure. I, I wish I knew because I thought we were going to have an inflationary condition after the, what, $600 billion that we in. Yeah. Great... yeah. Oh, there was straight up. I, I remember uh, I, I just li- listened to like, I think it was a podcast or something recently where they said like there was full on committees you know, of economists and, you know, financiers saying, look, this is going to be the, you know, the economic impact and here's going to be the inflation right. from 800 billion. Right. And now we're talking about 5 trillion orders of magnitude. Well, and five recently, we're not recently, talking about the other yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's actually nuts. So yes, those are the, the so that's biggest. That's going to have to be a topic for another time. Yeah. And those are the biggest risks. So the, the idea is in closing is to, you know, this sort of prudence and adding exposure strategically based on fundamentals and, you know, solid technical analysis mm-hmm. and all the things that we do as investment professionals is key. Don't overpay for a bond, right? It, Please you, don't ever pay 119 for a bond. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense, right? From a logical, go but, buy a treasury. But that's the point: is that will have to, that will come um, together in a package that will punish you if it's not done well. So yeah. continue to focus on those fundamentals and do them well. It's it is a there's a lot more work now than mm-hmm. it was before. Yeah, but it, yeah. but it's well worth it. We've experienced like a, up, up until COVID, we had a 10 year period where you could kind of just shoot blindly and oh. you'd still be fine. <laughs> yeah, no, not anymore. And, and I don't think we're going to have that for five, six years. Like we're now is time for adding exposure strategically yeah. and, and doing well in terms of adding diversified exposures, not just equities, but fixed income and real estate or alternatives or other things mm-hmm. that they become strategic that they're much more, I guess, founded in a reality that is likely. We're not talking about the tail events, which, which those happen. Yeah. Again, right, on, on both sides. Such as a global pandemic. Right. So, uh, but that's... Awesome. Yeah, I guess that's... That's, that's, a, that's a good that's point a, to how, settle. And a, you, you, you gave a couple... 40 what, minutes. 40 minutes? That's you said we were going to do 15, I thought. Oh. Uh, yeah, that, that kind of went out the window. Yeah. But... Awesome. Um, so you're going to put these charts up and stuff when we're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, that'll be the after. Yeah, right. afterwards. So anyways, well, thank you all for joining. Uh, whether you're listening to this or you're watching the video uh, on YouTube, 
Uh, it's been a pleasure, Dean. Uh, I know we have these conversations on a fairly regular oh, yeah. basis, so it's great to a couple finally times a week. It's nice yeah, to record it. Have it, yeah, yeah, have it recorded, and and we'll see what what people think about it. But uh, yeah, so thank you for for your time, and I'm sure there will be many more discussions yeah, in the for future. Me. Yeah, and I would suggest that uh, any of your viewers, listeners, if they have specific questions about, you know, I guess how to go about this, mm. that there's uh, you know a lot of uh, information out there to be able to do it. So. Yeah you know, start learning how to do it. It's not, you know, the world is not just about returns. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, it, it's totally. especially coming into the next few years. Yeah. And, and you have, you know, your commentaries about it. And obviously with marginally educated, we'll be building out more resources right. that, that people can have access and that's to. And they have a really helpful. pressing question, then, you know, shoot us an email or something. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then we can actually say something more specific than you can yeah. on a, on a broadcasted distribution. But, but don't be fearful and don't be greedy. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>